0: Green Teacher's main office is located on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Huron Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississauga peoples. This territory is covered by the Williams Treaty.
1: How are you going to end their experience? by leading them into the nature, rather than kind of glue them to the screen. What we saw is like over 41% of the participants has reported to the system at least one low carbon-related meal during the competition.
2: And sometimes they were so interested in one of those images because they're really unique looking that they took that learning home.
0: Testing, testing. Hey, I'm Ian,
2: and I'm Sophia,
0: and welcome to Talking with Green Teachers.
3: This is the Environmental Education Podcast, where we discuss recent developments, big ideas, and creative approaches to teaching green. In this episode,
2: we're missing some of that fun hands-on activities, especially with some of our academic classes, which are theory-based yeah. and, you know, maybe more traditional note-taking, I think we need to spice it up and th- and bring in these opportunities for students to work collaboratively with one another um, and gamification makes that happen and it also provides starting points for research opportunities, right? Okay, so we've witnessed this in class.
3: In a world increasingly dominated by digital technology, there continues to be widespread concern about nature deficit disorder, especially among young people. But could digital tech be part of the solution? This is a question Jane G. of Spring Bay Studio has addressed through the creation of the app iBiome and the accompanying League for Green Leaders competition. In this episode, we will first hear from Jane about gaining a deeper understanding of nature through gamification, as well as how virtual tools can lead to real climate action. We'll then hear from teacher Grace Sadler about her experiences using iBiome with her students and how such apps can help youths manage eco on site.
0: Environmental educators strive to facilitate meaningful hands-on interactions with nature how does your iBiome game allow for that?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. I think uh, before I answer your question, I want to take a little detour. Um, sure. So when we watch children play, you will notice that they want to hold things in their hands, you know, manipulate them, or sometimes even break them in order for their uh, for their mind to process. Or right. This, this process we call you know, uh, learning, but for them it's playing, it's, a, it's a trying to understand what's going on, to have an interaction. So uh, when we teach children about some kind of like deeper part uh, of the knowledge in terms of like food web, habitats, uh, biodiversity, environmental issues, we some, somehow need to make a computer model that represents those scientific terms or concepts, so that then the children will have an interactive toy so that they can play with it. So that's really is what we want to do in the iBomb games to connect children with the secret of nature, or the in-depth of their inquiry on what nature is about, how does it work? So, for example, uh, we invite children in the iBomb games to build a virtual habitats. So they're in the process of building it. And then along the way, they will learn so many different kind of a species. And then also, once they have this virtual habitat in hand, they can manipulate the, uh, the species population and observe how nature actually balances itself when these changes happen. And then we also designed the, the gameplay specific to like a greenhouse gas effects, for example. So the children can experience how exactly the uh, greenhouse gases help to track heat in our atmosphere. And with gameplay mechanism kind of crafted around the different subjects in the environmental science, uh, such as food webs, the uh, climate change, we now can put nature in children's kind of in the quote in children's hand in a right. format that they used to play with.
0: Do you find that in the process of playing the games that they're able to connect better with nature even without the games? Like can't I guess another way to think about this is do they or can they still interact with nature once they've put the game down?
1: I think this is a great question. So for definitely when the, the game should be designed as a bridge, as a, a toy, right. right? So you, um, you may have a, like a book about the rainforest, but the best way to learn about the rainforest will be inside the, uh, the real kind of uh, rainforest. So it's the, by the same token. I think you know a good game should design within a boundary, a boundary that we specifically put, you know, into the design, where you do not want to kind of like um, make children feel like they only can learn uh, nature when they hear about nature. When they hear about something related with nature or environmental thing, they are immediately associate with the. Um, like the uh, like the game part you also want to design a way where you lead them to the real world I think that will be the uh, the the best way to answer your question you know can they and I think the answer is is definitely they should that's why you when you when we design or using a tool such as you know kind of a video games we know children love this kind of a media so you all of a sudden you have a responsibility there how are you going to end their experience by leading them into the nature rather than kind of glue them to the screen Right. So very specific ways like you probably heard about a freemium model, which is, you know, widely used right now. But in order for a business to work, you know, for an organization to generate revenue, most of the cases that will depends on a long time learning or a long time usage for a application, say, you know, a Zoom call right? You, I'm not saying it's a bad or wrong. I'm just, just giving an example. We all know for the first 45 minutes, right? You get it for free. The longer you use the chart, we cannot apply this, this kind of a mechanism or business model per se, into designing children's games about nature.
0: Right. And putting yourself into the shoes of a gamer or getting our listeners to put themselves in the shoes of a gamer, what is the experience like of playing iBiome?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say it's more of a very light kind of interaction. Uh, we designed that in a for a purpose. We want the children um, to experience that wow moment when they all of a sudden have a wetland you know, on their device, on their computer screen. So this is a kind of an interaction. This is they they interact with this game. But we designed the at the time uh, so that it was around probably, you know, half an hour for one virtual ecosystem. And now what? Now the children will have a virtual habitat in their living in their browser or on their device. And now it's really is the time we challenge them whether you can interact with them by altering the uh, species population. So we call that add species to the dome. Really, we challenge them, whether by changing one or two species population, you can make the entire ecosystem thrive. Is that possible? Because in order for you to do that, this now becomes a kind of an interesting puzzle or challenge. And because you have to think about how species are connected with each other, you're really uh, thinking more on the food web uh, on this kind of a level so that with your manipulation, you will reach this goal. And then when you reach that goal, you will get a badge or two. So that will be a kind of like uh, something the user experience for playing the uh, the I-Bomb game series. And sometimes we will also add like stories to this. For instance, you know, when we talk about the uh, environmental challenge for oceans, like um, increase of the ocean acidity, plastic pollution, overfishing. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot of the things that we can really drag on to this and make a a big kind of like a simulation where it requires the, the children to play hours in order to see something, to reach something. Instead, we choose something like a kind of like a story. So in a short period of time, you will be able to unlock the story about the plastic bottle left on the on the ground you know, how that becomes a marine debris and also through the story, you will be able to unlock what you can do to help. So for users is a kind of like a reward because as they more, they interact with them, they get more out of the game, which is the story part about, you know, the environmental issue we want them to learn. And also I think, you know, because uh, all the interactions with video games are They were designing in a way that is the users will automatically want to have that. They are curious about if I'm doing this, what's going to happen. So all of a sudden you turn the learning all around kind of like uh, from a different angle rather than feeding them the, uh, the knowledge or the learning part. Now the users is actively seeking those information.
0: And you mentioned about this being a bridge. Is there a mechanism in the game that encourages students to get outside and sort of see what they have created through the game but in real life
1: it's a very good point there i think you know what we have tried is in the eyeball game series. we leave some kind of um, reference to the uh, say the wetland around them where maybe the the like the oceans for example maybe some aquariums or some books or some documentaries so that it's kind of a nice way for them to end their interactive experience and now working like now is the time to go to the real world to interact with that, to be inside of that real kind of like a, a environment. And I think we, we really kind of like tried very hard to um, use this bridge in a right way. With the the league competition League for green leaders competition because the most of the action when we saying you know like the bridge on one side is the virtual world on the other side is the real world right so you somehow has to make this two world kind of a connected a seemingly like a, you know very naturally to come out of the one and become part of the other and then the transition should be very smooth. And should be very interesting. So, for so for that part, I think just using the the game itself, the game mechanism itself, is kind of hard. We tried with one with the changing eyes, which we use the augmented reality technology. So, say uh-huh. you know the yeah the game is on the phone, and then you are recycling, and then you scan the recycling symbols anywhere you can find on your on your uh, recycling bin or maybe even sometimes on a package, then the technology will pick up those kind of markers and then add a virtual, uh, we call the virtual pad on top of the screen, on top of your current screen. In that way, you are in the real world where you are doing something about taking the action in the real world, for example, Uh, then you will be able to also in the virtual world because that's where you see more interaction with the content. We also saw some other kind of interesting examples. For example, there was a one organization called the um, Association of Canadian Educational Resources, short for Acer. What they did is that they put markers on the trees on conservation the landscape, and when people go outside, if they're using the, uh, the technology to uh, to interact with this marker then in the same way you know we will be able to kind of uh, start to build this bridge when the users are in on their phones they will also be able to see any kind of like augmented thing if we want them to experience in that way
0: yeah ar certainly augmented reality is a wonderful bridge
3: talking with green teachers is produced by green teacher a registered charity in canada that has been enhancing environmental education since 1986. By taking out a subscription, you can join our global network of passionate environmental educators, receive each issue of our quarterly magazine, and gain exclusive access to our vast archive of webinars and magazine-back issues. All proceeds go back into the organization to support our vision of helping each successive generation of young learners become more environmentally literate than the last. To learn more, visit greenteacher.com. Using virtual action as a springboard for real action on issues like climate change is a daunting task, one that Jane and her Spring Bay team have embraced head on
0: let's talk about the league for green leaders you alluded to it a moment ago and it uses gamification to engage students in practical and i think this is the most important part measurable climate action so walk us through the user experience of the league for green leaders
1: for sure the league for green leaders competition is the world first online climate action competition built around play a build around the gamification So every competition provides children with 14 days of gamified and fun daily learning activities. Um, And we blend the online learning with offline activity through game boards, points, badges, collaborations, and also like uh, competitions. So every day when the children log into the league program, which is online, And then they're finishing. They're interact with this program to finish the learning activity for that day. Then they will be. They will reward with some points. So then we start to build a bridge. And then they will be able to see they are making progress on their game boards. And then depends on how, how well they interact with the program, they can earn badges and they can also have votes. And then using those votes, the children can decide on what kind of facility they want to build for their dream, the virtual world. So, like, uh, for example, you know, the activity wise, uh, the children can build virtual habitats, this is in the Eyebound Games, this is completely online. But they can also go outside and then find the biggest tree in our neighborhood, where make a blubber gloves to uh, discover how exactly polar bears really adapt to the frigid world. So those are the examples of the online and the offline uh, activity they can do. And then tracking how they, re- they can reduce their carbon footprint is a key learning activity for the, for the lead competition. So the children can answer some simple questions that reflect on their daily choices on food, transportation, and the recycling and then see how much of the CO2 they can save based on the choice they make and compete for the greatest greenhouse gas uh, savings with other children around the world that are part of the, the competition. So the children need to collaborate also with their teammates to um, compete for the top team category, which is for to take the average of every team member's points they get. So you can imagine the, the league program really provide a kind of like a fun and a social experience for children to learn about our, our environment and to live in a more sustainable way together.
0: Yeah, and what are some of the real world actions that students will take as part of the league in order to score points and reduce the amount of CO2 that goes into the atmosphere?
1: Uh-huh, this, is, um, yeah, this <laughs> is some secret, yeah. Oh, a secret, I like secret. <laughs> some secrets. secret tips. Yeah, I know, I know. I think the way we quantify the, the CO2 is based on very popular online carbon footprint calculator, the way, the methodology that people are using. Basically, we're trying to find out the, uh, the research work Uh, Or the data points about those, the different kind of lifestyle choices, you know, people are making during day-to-day life. And then compare whether the children have some significant behavior changes or the choices they make, you know, has a, a result in any kind of like the CO2 savings. For example, a vegan person probably will have lower carbon uh, footprint compared to maybe a heavy meat eater. So if the children come to our program, are self-identified by answering our question, self-identified as a kind of a heavy meat eater then, you know, if they join the process, they understand because there's a lot of learning activities. For example, uh, like we have one called why what we eat matters. So through this process, and then playing the eye a uh, changing eyes game where they can experience with, with more meat in our diet versus less meat in our diet, they will see some difference that's going to make for the the CO2 associated with this, then assume this t- the student was motivated and trying to do like maybe to a low meat, you know, for one one time or uh, like uh, in the school we also have the wonderful the um, Midless Monday those kind of a program. If on that day they re- they did that and then tell the system this is the- what their choice are the difference between their regular ones um, and today's you know more sustainable one there are going to be a difference that's where it comes to their co2 savings
0: so it really comes down to the difference that change in behavior and even though this is measured virtually these do reflect actual changes in their lives which is pretty cool
1: You are absolutely right. And we were just so delighted right now, you know, we were diving into the, uh, like the data collected during the competition without identifying any kind of like individual names and all those kind of uh, becomes encrypted that we we, we really don't know who is who, but we see the sign. What we saw is like over 41% of the participants has reported to the system at least one low carbon related join the competition, which we think is um, really significant because it is really hard, you know, to doing the, re- the recycling, perhaps not so much the impact on maybe the food, that our favorite food, but have to give it up for the sake of the um, reducing the carbon footprint. So you can imagine. And then also we in the elite com- competition, we also ask children questions when they finish learning their activity. So one of them was, you know, why our food choice matters. So in the question, one of them is, what's the action you want to do after learning this section? And we saw students put in, you know, I want to cut my meat consumption, which really was the desired outcome. And we were just thrilled to see, you know, those kind of things can trigger them to think in this way.
0: That's so exciting and so encouraging that taking these activities in the virtual realm and moving into the real world not only motivates students, but actually allows them to see their progress in real time. It's, I mean, this is the kind of high impact environmental education work that we're all striving for. So thank you so much, Jane, for sharing your story and your insights about iBiome and the League for Green Leaders. And we certainly encourage anyone to get their students involved in both applications.
1: Thank you so much, Ian, for the opportunity to share, you know, uh, what we've done. And like you said, I think teachers really play a key role here Without all the teachers, you know, none of the, the programs or like the, the desired learning outcome will happen. So I, I really appreciate the, the great work that you've been doing uh, from the green teacher to uh, support teachers with fabulous teaching resources. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. There's much more work to be done, but we're happy to do it.
1: (laughs) Great. Thank you.
0: Did you know that a subscription to Green Teacher includes access to our massive and fast-growing archive of 500-plus ready-to-use activities, lesson plans, and articles? The recording of each new webinar goes into the archive, too, and there are 120 of those and counting. To save you time, because educators never have enough of it, right? Everything is organized by topic and age group. Learn more by visiting greenteacher.com slash subscribe. We also have special rates available for bulk orders from your school, board, district, faculty of ed, or organization. As always, all proceeds go back into the nonprofit.
3: Grace Sadler is a teacher as well as the vice president of the Science Teachers Association of Ontario. After her students played iBiome, she noticed a change in their environmental consciousness.
0: So you have played the iBiome game with your students. How have they reacted to it?
2: They loved it. They just loved it. And a bit of a side to that, some of my students had a chance to beta test iBiome Ocean. Nice. And that was an experience all of its own because they they were really connecting to their learning and they felt so excited that they could identify bugs and ways that they thought based on the flow of the game could improve the experiences for other students once the game was actually released Mm -hmm. and when we did get to play it in class once Jane did um, release, release the game they were excited to see some of their proposed changes and That was such an exciting experience for them. The game itself, fantastic. I mean, I I tried a lot of kinesthetic activities to get students to really understand changes in ecosystems and food webs when a a change to one organism um, is made and how that affects other organisms in a given food chain or food web. And that was fun. And that was a lot of fun. But there was something about Jane's games, these iBiome games, where the learning was so fulfilling for them, you know, maybe they were attracted to the beautiful animations, uh, or maybe it was the fact that it wasn't a prescribed change in in a food chain that I suggested as the Uh classroom teacher, or that was a you know, a prescribed part of a physical game we were playing in class, or a card game from a deck of cards we bought about food chains and predator-prey relationships, which I used extensively. Um, I think that the students could make the change themselves where they wanted to in a given food chain in, in, in the wetland or in the ocean environment, and they could see immediately what would happen over time to the other organisms. And that's when their eyes were open and they would say, wow. They also really loved the real life images of the different organisms sure. in the iBiome biome games. And sometimes they were so interested in one of those images because they're really unique looking that they took that learning home and they thought that was such a unique organism. That was so weird. I want to look more into it. And they did and they would come back the next day and say you know in class how we did this well i found out more about this uh, let me share it with you and of course i'm excluding the detail the specific details but what was exciting was that the students were communicating with one another and it's better than i could have planned in a you know in preparing topics for a classroom discussion this was relevant to the students in the moment based on interests. Stemming from uh, you know an experience that they enjoyed, and so it was it was more authentic than I could ever create on my own. And I've been teaching for fifteen years, so for me using these games that was the first time I attempted using gamification in the classroom. The students were rewarded. I felt uneasy at first, and then just so much at ease knowing how wonderful the experience was and how I could relate following lessons um, and other assessments even to that specific learning from the games. And all the students saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember I did that. I did that. I saw that.
0: What were some of the changes they made in the ecosystems? I'm just very curious about sort of what knowledge they brought to the process.
2: Absolutely. So I I tried using iBiome um, Wetland and iBiome Ocean differently throughout the years so Mm -hmm. sometimes that was their first experience in environmental education with me as as their educator and sometimes it came after some scaffolding of lessons and introducing some terminology like predator prey producers and consumers herbivores and carnivores omnivores and so on so some changes they might have made to a given food web would be to increase the primary producer and see what happens to the consumers that follow. Perhaps they, you know, removed a tertiary tertiary consumer, and they got to see firsthand over time how did that affect those secondary consumer consumers. So if you take away a wolf from an ecosystem, (laughs) what happens to the rabbits in the grasslands, for example, if you increase the rabbits, how does that affect the grasslands and the wolves? And that was um, very visually stimulating for them. And again, that immediate reward of seeing what
0: happens. In terms of their environmental consciousness, did you see any growth or change in the process of playing the game or after playing the game?
2: Yes, because the games include a strong component with respect to waste and how waste products can affect, like plastics, for example, yeah. how they can affect the ocean ecosystem, any given wetland ecosystem. And so um, that was a great jumping off point for us to explore human impacts on the environment and how we can reverse or you know make meaningful changes in our everyday lives. So I would say that was something that uh, was very rewarding because they got to see the plastics in the water and they got to see those interactions. I'm really excited to have an opportunity to play her newest game, Changing Ice, because that is where I think the human interaction with the environment is really going to take form and, and really paint a picture for my students. I have not had the opportunity yet, but I'm really looking forward to it.
0: I bet. Hi there! You might recognise my voice from such podcasts as the one you're listening to right now. Speaking of podcasts, Green Teacher is involved in another one. It's called Earthy Chats and... you know what? How about I let my co-host Jade harvey Barrel tell you the rest? Take it away, Jade.
4: Thanks, Ian. Hello, all. Indeed, we'd love for you to join us for Earthy Chats our new podcast where we've come together to spend time picking the brains of the brightest and best in environmental education. Like Busy Bees, we'll be cross-pollinating ideas across our range of interests and knowledge bases to give you the inside scoop on what's new, who's doing it, and how you can do it too. All of the experts featured on the show have resources available Canada-wide in the Outdoor Learning Store. That's Canada's non-profit, outdoor resource store. You can check out the range of educator and student resources available at www.outdoorlearningstore.ca. So whether you're a teacher, educator, parent, or just a general nature geek, there'll be something for you to sink your teeth into. Did I cover everything there, Ian?
0: Definitely. Thanks, Jade. So yeah, Earthy Chats. Check it out on your favourite podcast app, As
3: Grace has observed, gameplay has unlocked something deep within her students, something that is perhaps neglected as learners progress through the education system.
0: Zooming out a bit and looking a bit more broadly, in environmental education, gamification, I think some people embrace it very strongly and other people are a bit more hesitant. It's probably not going anywhere, safe to say. So what role do you see it playing in EnviroEdge now and moving forward?
2: Oh, it can be used in any subject for starters. And I encourage teachers who are wary to just go for it and build the culture with your students where, you know, I've never tried this. Let's see what happens. Let's learn together and make mistakes together and laugh together and troubleshoot together. Um, And and once that environment's been created in your students, then then go for it and and try new games. Gamification really brings the material to life. Students always play games. I have a child now. I didn't when I first started playing, I bought the iBiome games and I can see how, how much that, that visual, Gameplay makes a difference in my daughter's understanding, and it completely mirrors what I saw with my students. They are more active. They want to talk more about their learning, and sometimes it's quiet. I was tap dancing in front of the classroom. I was (laughs) doing everything I could to make things interesting. Lots of visual stimuli, but there was something about playing games, something innate that developmentally, I don't quite understand myself as an educator. It's not Mm. something I've dived deeply into, but I've seen the outcome and it's exciting. They wanted to come to class. I had the opportunity to have my own science room and I just taught primary junior science for many years. And the students would run to the classroom they knew we were playing these games. Wow. They knew we were going to be exploring and their teachers are like, Oh, I couldn't even do anything this morning because they kept talking about how they got to play the game again, because they saw this week, we were exploring using um, Spring Bay studios games. And it was thrilling for me. I, I felt like a rock star and it wasn't me. It was just the materials that they had access to. So with respect to gamification, environmental education, any type of simulation that teachers can bring into the environment is going to be worthwhile. And I think it lends itself to lots of STEM opportunities. I happen to be in a high school this year, which is a new uh, opportunity for me. I decided to give it a try uh-huh. and I, I really see how what I did in the elementary environment could be really meaningful and significant in secondary We're missing some of that gamification. We're missing some of that fun hands on activities especially with some of our academic classes, which are theory-based and yeah. you know maybe more traditional note-taking, I think we need to spice it up and, and bring in these opportunities for students to work collaboratively with one another. Um, and gamification makes that happen and it also provides starting points for research opportunities, right? Okay, so we've witnessed this in class, Dive deeper with a group and explore these connections to A, B, and C. That's what I noticed even in students as young as grade three and four. Oh, you're interested in that? Great. Let's start researching these organisms from iBiome Wetland. Pick your favorite one and let's explore their um, role in the environment. Make a food chain based on you know use materials from the game. Research their diet. Uh, just little things like that that kind of spice up learning and again is authentic because it's really related to their interests at the time versus me saying okay choose from this list of organisms that you've never heard of or saw in the past.
0: Sounds like inquiry-based learning at its best.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Before I let you go, any final thoughts?
2: Well, I would say, although I haven't had the opportunity to play the Associated League for Green Leaders, I can't wait to. (laughs) I really can't wait to. I had an opportunity to develop some materials that students would use throughout this competition. And I'm really happy to see students engaging with them and teachers giving really positive feedback about the experience. And now I'm just waiting for my chance to, to play it. With that gamification, that competition, is so interesting. You want their, you want students' response to environmental issues to be intrinsic, but developmentally, you have to um, have some external motivation sometimes. And I think that this competition um, that's associated with the iBiome Games does just that. that competition and that immediate reward system look. I've reduced my CO2 levels by this much. I did that. I can see that right now. It's immediate. It's not theoretical. It's right in front of you. And that's everything. I also have a thought about um, what I've been hearing a lot about eco anxiety. Mm. And as a primary junior educator, that is something I think about all the time we've had to, in, and now in high school as well. I've had to talk about some serious topics, like climate change, and its effect on on ocean life on, on humans, we see real life connections with hurricanes and how that affects people on land. And in high school talking about You know, cancer, for example, these are serious topics that we have to talk to our students about and teach them about and, and, you know, let them and show them how to critically think about these topics. And I I would say that that's the key with any eco anxiety is that it's our job to teach our students how to think critically and how to make decisions and let them know that they are in charge, they have the power on their small scale, and that as they grow, that scale increases And the more they learn now helps them make better decisions in the future that has amazing consequences for more than themselves, their families and their local communities. And I I am cognizant of that eco anxiety, um, but I really think it's more about empowering students and, and let them know that knowledge is power. And I do that with my grade 10s right now with their biology unit, like, why do we need to know all this? And for me, I tell them, truly, this is about you having power over your body. When you go visit a doctor and want to know about um, a particular diagnosis or what's going on, you don't want to have to depend on them for all of the information. Having an understanding of how your body works, starting with cells and moving to tissues and organs and your full body systems, that gives you power. What is greater than that? So, um, making decisions all stems from that. So I think we can kind of curb that eco anxiety with the fact that knowledge is power and having control over your immediate situation can kind of give that peace of mind. Okay. That's right. I understand this. I can make a decision now with some help and I don't feel so scared or alone. Did we go on a tangent there?
0: <laughs> we did, but it's perfect because we and we've already recorded it. We have an episode about eco anxiety about to come out, so this is very oh. well timed. the The clairvoyance you have, I'm very impressed.
2: <laughs> there you go.
0: Well, thank you so much, Grace. Really appreciate your taking the time during your prep time. Thank you so much.
2: Happy to do it, and love green teacher. My, hu- <laughs> my, my husband's aunt when she retired maybe 12 years ago, gave me boxes and boxes of materials. And in them were several very, very old publications of Green Teacher. And I was looking through them and I thought, these are gems. I must hold on to these always. They're beautiful. And I do reference them even today. So thank you.
0: That's great. I'll have to pass that on (laughs) to my predecessor, Tim. He'll be tickled to hear it. (laughs) Very good. Enjoy the rest of your teaching day.
2: Thanks. Take care.
3: There is still no replacement for direct contact with nature and there remain important questions to ask about the role of digital technology in connecting students with the natural world. For Spring Bay, their apps serve as a metaphorical bridge between the virtual world and the real world, in particular, the part of the real world that includes dirt, roots, leaves and animals. Talking with Green Teachers is co-hosted by Ian Shanahan and me, Sofia Nesi. Ian is the show's writer and editor. Logo design is by Devin Terrien. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes to get instant access to each new episode. If you really like the show, give us a rating too. We can also be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us in this episode. We'll chat again soon. My name is Susan Jim, I'm a teacher at Wilkinson Public School teaching Grade 5-6 Extended French and I have been thrilled
1: to have participated in the League for Green Leaders competition and having a way to gamify science learning. It has clear goals and the competition aspect is natural in my students, which was a fun way to build learner engagement and camaraderie as well, because the students had to work in a competitive environment as a team. As well, being in the League for Green Leaders offered learners to see real-world scenarios and really apply the learning that they had in class in a way that was interactive and made learning lots of fun.